Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. Awesome. Just as I'm getting ready, I'm going to preach a word now. And uh, just as I'm getting ready, um, uh, I'm just going, to, just going to ask you to pray again. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you that we can celebrate life. That through today we've just celebrated the young, the old, those who have called Australia home. That we've celebrated our country. That we celebrate the life that we have. Heavenly Father, I just pray now for these next few moments that you'll be upon the words and the worship that we bring. That it is words that you want us to bring. Lord God, I just pray that ears will be opened right now, that hearts will be ready to receive. Heavenly Father, that if anyone has come in today and they're feeling a little bit down, they're feeling a little bit broken, they're under, not understanding why, that Lord God, right now on this Sunday morning, that there will be a, a, an openness that comes from you. Heavenly Father, we just pray, speak life. Speak life into this building right now, we pray. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. I'm going to ask the team to stay up with me today. Is that all right, team? What an awesome worship team we have. Fantastic. Yeah, so good. Late last year, I asked our team of communicators to prepare messages that are not just relevant to them, but speak of the value and purpose of what and who we are as a church. And through here and in our, our location down in the Huon Valley, we've had some great messages on servanthood and on worship. And uh, Jess is down there today. She's going to be preaching Jess Byfield at 2.30. And next week we've got Kira. He's going to be preaching here on main stage uh, at 9 and 11. So looking forward to this. But today... I want to speak on the core value of discipleship, which, to be honest, has often got such a bad rap in church. And I think a lot of that has the fact to do with the fact that, that we view discipleship as a program that we need to complete rather than a core value that we should embrace. As I was preparing for this, I was reminded of a message that Pastor Phil sent to the church congregation at the start of the year. And so I want us to just sit back for a moment and just watch this eight minutes of Pastor Phil speaking on discipleship. Thanks, guys. Well, I, I do want to share this with you today, and I know that it's going to be uh, so helpful for us as we move into the future. But also, I believe that this is a very, very clear strategy and direction from the Lord for us as C3 right around the world universally so that every one of us can get a hold of this and thread it into our culture for the future. It's about discipleship. And I want to go to Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe 
all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. I think the presence of God being with us and what we do is contingent upon us being disciple makers. And I think that as we go to make disciples, we're gonna find that His presence assists us because without it, it would be impossible to accomplish that purpose. The making of disciples is not a, a knuckle, fist holding, teeth grinding, furrowed browed affair. It is a joyful, liberating purpose of God that He's put in every single believer. I don't think it's just in pastors or in leaders, but every single follower of Jesus should have the aspiration to become a disciple maker. Now, sometimes uh, people will say, oh, you're that, you know, you're the man of faith. You're the leadership guy. You're planning churches. You're the creative arts guy. All these, these, these labels and, and I guess pigeonholes or titles that people would like to box you in or to actually say, this is how you are known. But you know what? Underneath all of that, underneath the, the faith life, underneath the moving in the spirit life, underneath the creative world life, underneath the church planting, church building, leadership life, underneath all of that is a basic discipleship. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Without that, none of what we've built on top of that would exist. Being a disciple means you lay down your life and you take up your cross. It's about living by disciplines and not by feelings. It's about having ritual in your life that's not legalistic, but it keeps a rhythm of life happening in your world so that you are living a disciplined lifestyle. It's a narrower lifestyle. You're not allowing yourself certain liberties and freedoms that other people might feel they can have because you are wanting to focus your energy, time and resources on achieving exactly what Christ has called us to do. And being a disciple is further down the line of our Christian walk than sometimes we would imagine it to be. So let me, let me say this. This is, this is a game changer, what I'm about to say. For every one of us in all of our churches all around the world, I know that we would want salvation to be at the top of our list. And it is in mind, getting people saved. It's, it's a game. That is the end game in a, a big way. However, let me say this. It is because everybody's got to get saved through the blood of Christ repenting of their sins, coming to Jesus. But that doesn't make them a disciple. That makes them born again. Disciples are made, not born. Jesus said, go and make disciples. But He's called us to preach the power of the Word of God that will actually get people born again. And I believe that we've got to lead people to a life of discipleship. We might win them to Christ, but then we need to keep winning people to a sacrificial life so that we are not bringing them into a consumeristic Christianity. Sometimes the message that we are preaching is the gospel to meet the felt needs in people. People need healing. We preach God wants to heal you. People need blessing. They need to get out of 
debt. They need freedom. They need miracles. We preach that to them. Yeah, God's going to bring life into, into that area. And that's when Jesus is your Savior. And He saves us from all of our difficulties, our challenges. And the ultimate salvation is from hell so that we will be in heaven beyond this life. That's salvation. That's Him as our Savior. However, we also need to take people beyond that so that it's not what Jesus has done for me, but now what I can do for Him. It's not that He gave His life for me now. It's that I'm giving my life for Him. And when we follow Jesus, He will make us into what we are meant to be to fulfill the call that God has placed on our life. He said to those fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. These are ordinary men and women that followed Christ right at the beginning and He transformed their lives. Ordinary fishermen now have written pages of Scripture that are read by billions of people around the world every day, transforming their lives, rewiring their thinking. People are born again through reading these words. These were ordinary backwater people in, in a fishing town. But Jesus took a hold of ordinary and made it extraordinary. He can take a hold of water and make it into wine. He can take a hold of any one of our lives and make it far more than it was ever going to be. But it's not by adding to us. Sometimes it's by taking away. If we lose our life, we will save it. When we lay down our life, our agenda, our decisions, our pursuits, our ownership of all that we have, we lay all that down and we say, I'm a disciple. I'm going to follow Jesus. Another earmark of a disciple. So they put their hand to the plow and they're not looking back. They're not pining for the past. They're on fire for the future. And so when Jesus says, go into all the world, I love that word go. That means I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally going to do this. It's not an accidental happening in my life. I am arranging our church, our structures, our time, our budget towards this end. Go into all, go. The, one of the reasons I love that word, it's two thirds of God's name, G-O. <laughs> and, and so a big thing about God is that He is not just seated on His throne saying, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. He is active in the earth through you and I, through anybody who will devote their life, consecrate themselves, yield themselves to Him for His pleasure and His glory. Not for our pleasure and not for our fame, but for His glory. And that means I'm going to be obedient to Him. Obedience isn't a, a word often used in today's world. It's not even a, a light word. What does that mean? Submission, obedience, all these sorts of words we, we, we don't like yet. The reason there is a reaction to them is because they are the key to actually entering into all of what God has got for us. Yeah. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Pastor Phil started by sharing, he said, with such a clear mandate, every single follower of Jesus should have an aspiration to be a disciple maker. Yet I've found in my own spiritual journey and in pastoring others that fulfilling this mission is probably the hardest part of the spiritual walk. 
For sake of time, I want to just share on just a single verse of Scripture that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. It's a challenging verse and it's one that when you read it once, you kind of try and avoid the next time you get to it. But I believe that by living out this verse, our attitude and our willingness to disciple others will change. And as a result, we will not just see a community is changed, but we will see a nation that is transformed for Jesus. In Romans 1 verse 16, Paul said this. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. In the Passion Translation, it gives us some colour and it says it like this. It says, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am through, yeah, amen. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. I went to a school in Melbourne's western suburbs. It was big and it was probably more known for its calibre of fighters than it was for its academic scores. Big school brings big personalities. But somewhat surprisingly, you did your school journey just trying to blend in with everybody else. Don't stand out. Now backpacks when I was going to school were not a big thing. It was those old-fashioned sort of carry bags that you slumped over your shoulder and in doing so, it, it, it gave the bottom of the bag a view to everybody else. And it was quite a, a big size bottom of the bag. It was perfect as an advertising space for budding graffiti artists. And it was quite entertaining to walk past people in the corridors and in the schoolyard and see who loved who by simply looking at the bottom of their bag. To see who was the most popular rock band of the time. In my time, there was a lot of Bon Jovi scribbled on the bottom of these bags in big textures. My brother was two years older than me, or is two years older than me. And he hung with a group of maybe six to ten other guys at school. And they weren't the toughest, but they also held their own. And you certainly didn't approach them, but you were secretly happy as a younger brother that you had an older brother at school. I remember a specific day very well though. It must have been when I was in year nine and my older brother was in year 11. When I first noticed the bottom of his bag, as they walked past me in the corridor, him and all of his mates with a big Sharpie, a big texter, had tagged on the bottom of their bag, B-A-C thinking it was some new rock band that I had missed out on. As soon as I got home, I went to his room and I asked him, what does BAC stand for? I was somewhat horrified when he told me that it was a crew that they had formed called the Born Again Christians. It's fair to say that I choked on my cup of Milo. Here's the point though. Over the next few months, I noticed how my brother and his mates lived out what was written on the bottom of their bag. The challenge with the verse that, that, that Paul gave to the church in Rome is it is centred around our willingness to pay for the, the gift that was given to us. 
the gift of salvation that Pastor Phil spoke about, that gift of transformation in our lives is, is, is the greatest gift you can have. Yet discipleship is about paying that forward and giving that to somebody else. Being willing to walk the journey with others, no matter where they're at on their spiritual journey. Yet for some reason, for some reason we, we like to stand and we can promote and say, be saved. Yet, yet, yet it's harder to walk the journey with people. It's harder to do that spiritual walk, to do the, to do the, the hard yards. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. In its simplest form, faith is an intellectual agreement that God is who He says He is and did what He said He did. Yet then on the bottom of my brother's school bag, him and his mate showed me that discipleship is being in agreement that God is who he says he is, did what he said he did, and then they lived out what he said to live out. The other part of being a disciple though, is that it will cost you. Because it's a commitment to a person's journey. You see, Jesus didn't call the fishermen down by the, the Sea of Galilee and, hey guys, drop, drop everything you're doing. Drop your career, your family, everything. And then he just walked off and said, thanks guys, you changed, you're okay. You see, what Jesus did is he said he called them into a life of discipleship. For the next three years, we read in the Scriptures where He prayed with them. When they said to Him, Lord, teach us how to pray, He taught them how to pray. He showed them to be generous. He showed them how to walk alongside others. They were there when He healed the sick and gave sight to the blind. You see, the ministry of Jesus was not just about seeing people saved. It was about discipling others in order that they may go into the world and see others saved. There's a story found in the Gospels about the Good Samaritan. And in the 62nd version of the story, it's about a church leader. They saw a man who was of probably different political persuasion, maybe different religious thoughts, a man who had been beaten and broken by robbers, a man who was left to die on the side of the road, down on his luck. And this church leader saw him and it says that he walked to the other side away from him. The next part of the story goes that there was a temple assistant, someone who serves in the church, maybe comes in and sweeps things, cleans everything up, gets stuff ready. It shares that at least he had the decency to go over and see how he was. Yet he too said, I'm not prepared to do the journey with you. I'm going to walk away. And then it says, a despised Samaritan. The word in the scripture says he was a despised Samaritan. Came along and when he saw this same man, he felt nothing compassion and love it cost him it cost him in his finances it cost him in his time he detoured and had to drop him off at, uh, at, a, at an inn 
But what I love about this story is what we see in the last few verses of this. This wasn't just about a despised Samaritan saying, I'm just doing my good deed for the day. He says in the last couple of verses of this, he says, I will come back and pay what I need to pay. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. That's when it's being prepared to say, you know what, I haven't just done my good deed for the day. Look at me, good Christian you. That's saying, I'm prepared to walk the journey with this person. It's really difficult to restrict a preacher to 10 minutes on a subject they're so passionate about. But I'm going to honour time and I'm going to come to a close. Before I do though, I want to speak to why this written, this verse written by Paul to the church in Rome resonates with me so much around discipleship. We can so often focus on the word unashamed, but the context is that Paul is saying to the believers in the church, we have a responsibility to look out for the needs and to love one another because that is what God has called us to do. It is a foundational building block of what our Christian journey is about. Tim Ross, Pastor Tim Ross says this, there is zero way you can actually love Jesus and not love people. And when we break it all down, discipleship is centred around our willingness and our courage to love each other as much as God loved us. To demonstrate that same love for us. By your discipleship, by your actions, others will know that God matters to you. As a young man, my brother had the courage to tell a schoolyard of peers that he was refused that he refused to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in him through Christ. In fact, by doing what he was doing, he was saying, I am thrilled to preach it to the world. My brother was here last week and he shared with me on a walk we did Sunday afternoon after the Huon Valley. And he said, I'll never stand up on stage and preach the gospel like you do. And he said, I admire that. My brother for 23 years has sat behind the sound desk serving every week because those guys kind of do that. And he said to me, I'll never stand on the stage and preach the word like you're doing. And I put my arm around him and I said, as a 16 year old boy, you preach to me because you are unashamed of the gospel and you put it on the bottom of your school bag. And I stand here today because of his courage to do that. I stand here today because others have discipled me along the journey. Others have said, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power that has been unleashed in me. In fact, I'm thrilled to preach the gospel. I'm going to ask you to stand. Because for very many months, I have struggled as the leader here 
promoting an, the ability to be, have an altar full of people, trying to comply with COVID regulations, trying to make sure that we're doing everything right. Yet I believe that there is a declaration this morning that people need to make. A declaration that says we refuse to be ashamed of sharing God's liberating power in us. That new song that Bailey brought to us says, the blind will see, the sick will be healed. Sing hallelujah with confidence. It says Jesus is breaking chains. It says that we are going to stand up and we're going to be unashamed of what is inside of us. That we're going to ride on the bottom of our bags that we are born again Christians. That we're going to go onto the streets and meet our friends and we're going to say, what were you doing yesterday? I was in church and I heard a word spoken to me and I'm going to be prepared to stand beside you. And when you're going through your marriage breakup, I'm not going to condemn and judge you. I'm going to put my arm around you. And I'm going to be bold enough to do these things. Thank you, Lord God. I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's power that has been unleashed in me. I refuse to be ashamed of releasing, sharing the wonderful message of God's power that has been released in me. I refuse, I refuse, I refuse what the world tells me I have to do. And I'm gonna be unashamed of sharing the message that God has put in me, the gift that God gave me. Jesus, right now, right now, Jesus, you are breaking chains. I believe there is a call on us, whether we have been a Christian for a day or whether we've been a Christian for 50 years, to fill this altar here this morning in front of others. And it says that I am unashamed to share the gospel. That I am unashamed. Actually, it is a privilege that I get to do this. I'm going to ask as we sing this song, old, young, wherever it is with you, that it's a declaration that you're going to say that today I am going to stand and I am going to share the gospel. I'm going to share the good news. If that's you, I'm going to encourage you. Just come forward as we sing this and just say, I refuse to be ashamed. I refuse to be ashamed. I am going to preach the gospel. You may have been a Christian for 40 years, but this is a chance to say, you know what? I'm going to stand here. I'm going to be bold. So just as we sing this, I'm going to encourage you. Let's come. Let's break open those chains. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.